Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Kendrick Johnson and Justin Thomas. Uh, gentlemen, we are, I guess, uh, halfway home as far as our playoff baseball and softball coverage goes. We have uh, we are in the third round now for baseball, fourth round for softball. We um, have pretty much just as many teams standing as we did at this time last week. We didn't really have the field fan out a whole lot between the uh, you know the last week of, uh, of playoff action. So nevertheless, let's take stock in the teams that we still have uh, kicking around. We're going to start over in 6A, talking some of the baseball playoffs in two districts that uh, are faring quite well at this juncture of the postseason. you got District 66A and 96A that have three teams that are bound for the third round. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice little show out for, um, for those two districts, and that means you got some, uh, some district uh, rematch matches now in the third round, including one over in your neck of the woods, Justin. You have Hebron and Flower Mound. Um, so yeah, what is your read right now on kind of the Hawks and the Jaguars heading into this uh, this ever-pivotal third round series? Well, they're both obviously playing well. Um, mm-hmm. Flower Mound, a little less work in the second round there. They uh, <clears throat> they get the sweep of Mansfield-Lake Ridge. They win the first game 9-1 and the second game 5-3. Hebron took on Mansfield High in a pretty wild series. They lost the first game 12-10, come back and win the second game 13-10, and then they finish them off Saturday 7-3 to move on. So um, for Hebron, this will be their third time in the regional quarter since 2014. Mm -hmm. Flower Mound's actually made it six of the last eight years, so we're starting to talk about a little bit the pedigree of some of these programs. We'll also get into that a little more later when we talk about the other series that I'm going to speak on, but... um, yeah, for Flower Mound, they're looking to get back to the regional semis for the first time since they won it all in 2014. Flower Ma- or Hebron's only actually made it once back in 2005, so if the Hawks are able to pull this one out, it'll match their uh, best season on the mm-hmm. baseball diamond ever. Um, Anything that you take away from those, uh, those head-to-head meetings during district play? Well, the, the first game was pretty close. Flower Mound swept the series. They got the game one win, 5-3. Mm-hmm. They had a five-run inning, and then they kind of took it to them the second game and won 11-1, so obviously... Um, they're looking to build on that showing in the regular season um but you know i don't really put a whole lot of stock in like the regular season series you know especially if you can get to three games and you mm-hmm. have the third starter necessary and stuff and you know hebron's playing pretty well right now so i wouldn't certainly wouldn't count them out um it's gonna come down to who hits the ball better because both of these teams are strong deep staffs when you look at cam brown and austin wallace uh, kirk perry actually got the game three win for hebron in their series so mm-hmm. Um, runs weren't weren't at a premium for the Hawks against Mansfield, so def- definitely talking. If I would, Steve Stone's probably thinking they need to shore up their defense a little more because I know some miscues in the field led to some unearned runs in those okay. first two games against uh, Mansfield. So if they can clean things up in the field, 
expecting a pretty competitive series here between obviously two very familiar teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a uh, you know a district rematch in District Six Six uh, A, I should say. We have another one over Nine Six A Kendrick between a couple of our schools, Allen and McKinney Boyd rubber match because they split yeah. their uh, they split their series in uh, during the regular season um, in two games that took on a very very different look. You had you know Boyd, which at the time you know was the first team in District Nine Six A to defeat Allen. They beat him two to one in the first matchup, and then Allen turns around and run rules him in the second game, albeit, you know, that second game, you know, played under a little bit of different circumstances, mm-hmm. and I think looking at this matchup, um, initially, like, the big thing is going to be, um, is the, yeah, pitching, because Bo- McKinney Boyd's number two did not pitch during the series, yeah. during the regular season, uh, Jack Hagan, who, um, so yeah, there is kind of, so you don't really know how to read too much into that 10-0 victory, you know, maybe if you get to, you know, th- those pitchers that they saw in that game might be the ones that you roll out during game three if this series does go that far, but um, yeah, nevertheless, how, um, how Allen handles Jack Hagan is going to be very, very uh, an interesting yeah. subplot in the series. That and um, the the little things. I'm not even one a, cl- a cliche guy by any stretch, mm-hmm. but whoever fills the ball, whoever pitches, and whoever um, does not make the uh, makes the least mistake should mm-hmm. win this um, this series. I expect it to be very intense. I know Boyd looks at it like um, this is the first time to the regional quarterfinal since 2011. Wow. That. That this is their team, this is their time. I know they had a bad game in game one against um, Rockwell Heath. They shook it off, came back and and gave them the business 13-6 in game two, and then they won a tough game three. But their team is mentally tough, and they kind of mm-hmm. like got that. Um, I did a, a Sunday spotlight on Coach Sean um, Brick Court. He said they all the adversity they went through last year has helped them in these one run games this year, like the two to one game. Mm-hmm. So if the game is close, they have they have a knack this year. I think in district they were five and one in one run games. Wow. Find the ways to get that done. So and Adam was a victim of all that. So yeah. they saw all that in person. <laughs> so that's gonna be very crucial to be able to scratch out those wins and mm-hmm. make plays. And then uh the star that stirs the drink to quote the great Reggie Jackson is Tyler Collins. This kid is special. He's like one of the top fifty sophomores in the nation. And that, that perfect or game changer, perfect whatever, game. perfect yeah. game. And yeah. uh, on um, Sunday, I mean on Saturday, he got on base two times. He scored two crucial runs. He's very key to getting that engine going. But it's going to come down to Chad Brown, who by his standards had an off game against um, Rockwell Heath in um, game one. I don't expect him to have a bad game back to back. He's a very focused kid. He's going to ULL and then Jack Hagan mm. matching up. I don't know who um, Allen's going to throw out, but it's going to be come down to the arms and who can make make the least errors. Mm. It's um so Allen's kind of approached their pitching staff, you know, different formats for the first two rounds. They started off throwing Brett Tanksley in game one of their first round series against Naaman Forrest and then through Nate Wadka in game two. They flipped that around though for the yeah, for the Waco Midway series through a uh, Wadka one and uh in Tanksley two. Um as far as the Jack Hagan subplot, I mean Allen's at least seen him before because obviously they've been in the same district forever, so you would have to go back though to the district opener in two thousand and eighteen for the, uh, the last time that Allen saw Jack Hagan, and um, and they beat they they beat Boyd in that game, you know, four to one. They you know touched up Hagan for seven hits, four runs, but that was a long time ago. Obviously, it's conceivable that he's gotten better as a pitcher since then. One thing about this series that I'm anxious to see from the Boyd perspective is can their bats wake up against Allen? Because that is one subplot that has kind of been consistent over these last couple of years. McKinney Boyd in their two games against Allen this year totaled three hits total just three hits including in the victory in the two to one victory that they only got one hit <laughs> the uh, you know Allen walked two guys and then you know I think it was uh, George McGinnis got it again and got a two run uh, got a two run uh, single or whatnot he got a she had a two run single <laughs> in the game th- um, three on Saturday yeah 
Um, yeah, that that he's he's very clutch, but I, I agree with you. I think they're going to have to get at least five hits a game to have yeah. a shot. Because I mean, I mean, looking over those numbers, they only struck out seven times in the series overall. So it's not like they weren't <coughs> in contact; you just couldn't find holes in the defense. But then you even look back to the year before. Allen won the games in 2018, four to one and nine to one. So Boyd, for whatever reason, for a couple of years now, has really struggled to just to hit Allen. Period. So um, I mean, that's kind of going to be the onus on the board offense because I don't think you can win this series if you're just getting you know two to three hits a game or whatnot. Um, I think it's, um, you know, we also have the fact that like, both teams are coming off like they're riding a wave of momentum. They're both coming off what I think it's fair to say are their best wins of the season with Boyd taking down Rockwell Heath and Allen doing the same to um, to Waco Midway, two teams that were ranked in the top 15 of the state in uh, in 6A. And both series went the distance. So I don't, really th- I don't know if that gives one team the edge over the other because I do think, like you mentioned, you know, Justin, with um, you know, going to a game three, like being able to, you know, kind of sort out who your guy's going to be yeah. for a game three knowing they can come through in that yeah. spot I think that matters uh, very big but um, you know you have like Allen and you know Boyd both survived those, that circumstance yeah. so I don't know if it really gives one team all, an all, edge over the other I think in 6A you have the whole, all hands on deck versus like you have that guy that's ready to roll mm-hmm. because like I know in smaller classifications you can get away with that 9-6A because and then the whole pitch count thing comes in yeah. this guy only has 20 pitches left this guy like um, I know had they came down to it Chad Brown on um, Boyd's ace mm-hmm. only had 7 pitches so but they had a stud left-hander. So if it came to the situation, I'm pretty sure he would have had that one batter. Yeah. So you see all that craziness in the game three that you won't see usually because of the, the rules and the regulations of the pitch count. Because for a lot of teams, like they throw the same guy Tuesday, the same guy Friday. So it's always kind of like a white-knuckle affair, how yeah. you're going to fare in a game three because you're throwing out guys that just didn't get a ton of innings yeah. during district play and whatnot. And that's kind of like, that was kind of the story of Helen, how like beyond Brett Tanksley, like the rest of their rotation was in such flux that now that you're in the playoffs, a lot of those guys are actually kind of performing a little bit better just because they got so much experience because there just wasn't much consistency in the pitching rotation during the uh, during the regular season and you saw that in their Game 3 victory over Waco Midway. I mean, Allen got shut out in Game 2, 7-0, just got absolutely lit up by Midway. They come back They come back 30 minutes later, score four runs in the first inning of Game 3, and then just kind of hold serve from there. They end up winning that game 9-6, to six. You know, but you had guys like Sean McVitie, who was their original you know, their uh, Friday starter, when district first began, then you have a guy like Nick Brackney who's been used a ton throughout the uh, you know throughout the season, um, you know out of the uh, out of the bullpen. So I mean, there's plenty of experience within that pitching rotation. And um, but yeah, like I said, I think like you said, Kendrick, it does feel like it's a very evenly matched series. That's going to boil down to just the usual cliches of just just execution, pitching, defense, who commits less errors, and and stuff like that. One thing, um, Allen's going to have probably a bigger crowd than expected for at least game two of this series because um, they decided to move the, uh, the football team spring game, which was originally going to be played Thursday, which would have been the same night as Game 2. They've moved the, uh, the, the football team spring game to Tuesday night in an effort to increase support for the, uh, for the baseball team in their series against, uh, against Boyd. So um, obviously, yes, with this being a uh, you know two schools that are only, what, like 15 minutes That's apart cool. or whatnot, it's going to be a very uh, nearby series. You have, um, let's see, Game 1 is going to be Wednesday, um, 7.30 p.m. at Allen. Game 2 will be Thursday, 7.30 p.m at Boyd and then if necessary Friday 7.30 p.m. at McKinney North. Um, let's see. Let's look at uh, Justin. The other matchup that you got. Another yeah. another matchup between uh, you know teams that are certainly no, not lacking in familiarity. Is yeah. Marcus and South like a rematch of what last year's regional final? Yes Whoa. it was. Real quick I guess I should go back and give the game information on the Flower Mount Hebron series. Go for uh, it. Game, game one's going to be seven at Highland Park on 
Thursday, Game 2, 7 at Irving on Friday, and then Game 3, if needed, Saturday, 4 o'clock at Dallas Baptist. Man, they move it around. Yeah. yeah. They are that's very around, right. so. That's old school right there, three different locations. Yeah, so Marcus and Southlake, that's the other series we're mm-hmm. uh, going to get into. Like yes. you said, a rematch of the uh, Region 1 finals last year that the Dragons won on their way to the state championship. They're going to do home and home for the first two. Game one Thursday at Marcus seven thirty. Game two Friday at Southlake seven thirty. And if they need a third game, it's going to be Saturday at one o'clock at Grand Prairie. Okay. Um, both these teams are coming off uh, pretty impressive performances in the area around. Marcus sweeps Waxahachie. They win nine zero and nine four. Uh, Carroll sweeps Richardson Pierce eleven one and twelve two. So not a lot of drama mm-hmm. in their second round series. Um, I mentioned earlier. Talking about Flower Mound in the regional quarters for the sixth time in eight years. Carroll's in it for the eighth time in nine years. Jeez. Marcus is in it for the fifth time in seven years. Carroll's also made the regional semis six of the last seven years. Marcus has been there four of the last six years. So, two programs that are very familiar with being in this spot in the postseason. Probably make a case these are the two best programs in Region 1 over that yeah. span. Flower Mound has a state title as well, might yeah. have something to say about that. But between those two schools <laughs> and the. Uh, you're always trying to pit Flower Mountain and Marcus against each other, I aren't know, you? Man. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to draw um, that battle line in the sand between those two. But yeah, definitely um, between those two teams and Flower Mountain, probably three of the better programs in the area over the mm-hmm. past, certainly the last decade or so. But um, really interested to see how this one shakes out. Um, Marcus has, you know, possibly one of the best two-man uh, rotations in, in the area with Blake Mayfield and Tyler Morgan. Blake Mayfield's really pitching well lately. He absolutely dominated Waxahachie. Six and two-thirds, one hit, no runs, 15 strikeouts. It's pretty good. <laughs> he also turned around and w- went three for four at the plate with an RBI. So, um, you know, he was the MVP last year, has, an, has had another strong season, but hit the ball well all year, but he's really come into his own pitching, mm-hmm. pitching down the second half of the district. And then, obviously, Tyler Morgan's pitched a complete game in the game two win. So, nice one-two combination there. Um We'll see how they stack up against the Dragons, though. They seem to, uh, I mean, yeah, they, they lost, just reload, they lost, man. They lost, <laughs> they lost a ton they from that state title team and didn't whole, miss a beat. I feel like they lost like 20 seniors or something oh, to yeah. the team. That's a nice reload over there. Here they are, right back here in the regional uh, quarterfinals again. So Something like three starters they had coming back from that yeah. team, and it's just, they don't miss a beat. They do have a couple pitchers that were key players two years ago that were injured last year. Car- okay. Cutter Sipple is one of them, and he's yeah. dynamite. Um, so he's a name back. like that, how could you yeah, not be? He's, he's back healthy this year. So he was a key pitcher for them his sophomore year, and mm-hmm. now he's back for his senior year. So uh, this should be a fun series. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm going to be out there in Southlake for a game two there. Mm-hmm. The other series that we have still uh, still kicking around over in 6A, Prosper and Rockwall. This series um, was unique. I don't know if you guys saw this on social media. So here's how they decided the format on this series. So Prosper wanted the series to be played Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Rockwell wanted the series Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So instead of flipping a coin to determine who got their way, they decided to use the total number of runs scored in yesterday's Rangers-Astros game to determine who got the format. Uh, the Astros hit like 18 homers, so I'm guessing uh, the <laughs> well, it was, team won. <laughs> well, it was, um, yeah, no, so, they, um, so Rockwell had an even number of total runs. Oh, okay. Prosper had an odd number of total runs. Gotcha. So final score was 15-5, to 5, 20. That's an even number, so Rockwall gets its <laughs> gets its choice of format. So this series will be played Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I believe, at uh, at Wiley High School. Uh, nevertheless, and for this I one, be a hotbed. That's oh yeah, yeah. Kenny North and um, 
and um, 40 girls will be playing for softball in the softball time. Now, Wiley High School is always a happening time of year at this, uh, this juncture of the postseason. And, um, I mean, this series is going to basically, this is going to tell us a lot about Prosper. Um, you know, you look at, they really didn't break much of a sweat the first two rounds. They, you know, took care of Lakeview Centennial, took care of Tyler Lee, outscored them by a combined margin of 23-6 to in three total games played. That's what you'd expect for a team that's been, you know, state-ranked among the top ten just about all year long. Had their way with District 9 6 a They're salty. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yes, you look at some of the numbers across the way. I mean, Connor Jackson, you know, three singles, reached base safely six of nine times. Braden Webb had three hits in that series against Tyler Lee. Dalton Davis, four hits, three runs. Luke Johnson had three doubles. I mean, they're just, they're laying wood to these teams, as you'd expect. Um, Going to ramp up a little bit more this week, though, with them getting a rock wall team that is, is very credentialed when it comes to, uh, you know, postseason success. And um, and Rockwall kind of in a, in a unique spot that they've had to win game three in both of their first two uh, their first two round series, um, you know, against Coppers Cove in the by district round, and then last round in the area playoff round against a Jesuit. And there was even some uh, some dramatics in that uh, in that game three against Jesuit. There was a walk off finish oh, yeah. oh. to beat the uh, to beat the Rangers two to one. It was uh, Jeremy Bomer who uh, who singled and Peyton Adams barely beats out a throw home to give the uh, the Yellow Jackets that two one victory over the Rangers. Otherwise, hey, we might have had an uh, an all nine six a regional quarterfinal. Nevertheless, but I'm um, see, so, yeah, I mean, we'll learn a little bit more about where Prosper you know stacks up in the big scheme of things because that's a program that is has visions of playing on for at least a couple more weeks you'd think um, and uh, that, that's where I to get that chip yep so um so lots of 9-6-A lots of 6-6-A as far as the uh, the regional quarterfinal round for the uh, for the baseball playoffs go um, still plenty of stuff though over in 5-A to talk about and we will do a quick line change bring in uh, Taylor Raglan bring in Brian Murphy and we'll keep you here because you've got McKinney schools all over the place still playing <laughs> and we will pick that up in just a moment Welcome back. We've done a little line change to uh, talk about 5A baseball here. Um, you know, Brian and Brian and I have joined Kendrick. You're going to be on a, a lot of these. You got a lot of teams left in all the classifications, but uh, we're here to talk a little 5A baseball and and um, you know the teams that we've lost, the teams that are moving on, some some uh, in in coverage area matchups that we have this week, including one really good one I think between Lovejoy and Lone Star um, and Lake Dallas, McKinney North. We got a lot of teams still hanging around in the 5A uh, baseball postseason, so. Um, I guess we can start. Let's save you and I's uh, conversation about the the crossover matchup maybe for a little later. Um, We can start with Lake Dallas. Um, A really good run uh, for the Falcons already, Uh, getting through two rounds, getting to the regional quarterfinals, beat a good Grapevine team. I was out there for game one of that series. Grapevine looked to be a really uh, solid all-around baseball team. Lake Dallas gets by them, um, and then Lake Dallas gets by Arlington Heights uh, in a sweep. It uh, doesn't even take three games, uh, so they save some of their arms and, and all that good stuff. So uh, they draw Burleson Centennial, which a common thing for both of my schools uh, this week is they're going to have to go up to uh, or go up against, I should say, some some aces, um, to put it lightly. Uh, starting with Lake Dallas, you know, Burleson Centennial uh, and Jacob Metter, who a TCU commit, which I should mention this series between Burleson Centennial and Lake Dallas will be at TCU. So we'll see how that affects him getting to pitch in uh, what will be his, his home yard. But... Um, I mean, this kid is just a stud for Centennial. It seems like he's kind of led the charge for them all season long, obviously into the playoffs. I believe he has a no-hitter in the playoffs. I think I think it was in round number one. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. but he, uh, I saw him pitch against uh, Little Um in game one. He had 13 strikeouts. Yeah. The only reason he didn't go uh, further than five and a third is because he reached his pitch count. Right. Total. He had, they had to be taken out of the game. I thought they were going to take him out mid at bat. Right. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, and then he hung on in that game. And then they also had a guy uh, come in. I'm blanking on his name, but he was a shortstop, Miguel Santos, I think was his name. Maybe, yeah. And he he shut it down in relief. But I thought he was going to see some action in game two against Little Elm. They bring in this guy uh, who I did not see in game one at all, Braden Freeman. He went the distance. He pitched right. a complete game. Uh, just gave up one run uh, in game two uh, against Little Elm, and they they swept him. And so they they have three horses that they yep. can go to on the mound, including a, a D1 arm and, and Jacob Metter. And, you know, I knew this kid was special when I'm sitting there, you know, watching this game, and there's about nine radar guns oh, yeah. yep. every time he throws a pitch. And I yep. saw 93 one of the times. Yep. Fastball, it sounds yeah. like low 90s, um, especially early in the game. He fades a little bit. I mean, I say fades. He was his, still his stuff <laughs> is still really good. But when, when he reached 90, yeah. or when he reached his pitch count, he was still throwing 91, 92. Yeah, yeah. It was so absurd. low 90s fastball. Um, I was impressed for y'all. Like he's faded. One, one breaker. He was still throwing heat. Late I think game, he's. So. I think he's worked on a changeup. But you know, the the theme of that series is going to be one: can Lake Dallas get to him at all um, in game number one? Uh, I think that's going to be hugely important if he goes out and shuts them down with. Lake Dallas's pitching depth, which is is there. You know, they have Ryan Deversmith that they run out as their ace, um, and he'll he'll throw against Meta. Everybody knows what that matchup is going to be. Um, and then, you know, Ben Price has thrown really well in the postseason. Cade McCollum has thrown really well in the postseason. But, you know, are those arms going to be able to hold up to, you know, what Centennial yeah. can offer, especially if they get down one nothing? Does Lake Dallas have the arms to come back and win two games in a row? I don't know. Maybe, because like I said, good Grapevine team, good Arlington Heights team. Lake Dallas has found ways to advance uh, thus far. Their offense has looked good. Um, their arms, especially behind Debersmith and Price and McCollum, have looked really good. Uh, you know, But at the same time, Centennial is. It, it just proves my point. What I always tell people about the high school baseball playoffs is that it all comes down to the arms you have. You know, There are not a lot of teams out there that, that are going to score 15 runs a game and, and just win that way. When you get deeper in the postseason, it always comes down to what does your stable of arms look like? What does your top starter look like? You know, and Burleson Centennial is obviously no exception. They have, you know, Metter going game one. Dude's an absolute stud. Um, you know, like we mentioned, D1 level arm easily. Probably had his choice of schools. Ended up going pretty local with TCU. Um, and then, you know, a couple arms after him. And, and that's why they are where they are. That's why Lake Dallas is, you know, where Lake Dallas is. Because Debra Schmidt's no, no schlub. He's not, he's not a TCU committee. He's not Jake Metter, but he's, he's pitched really well all season long. And then, like I mentioned, those two arms underneath him. So, you know, I expect a pretty good series. We'll see. I think it's for Lake Dallas, as it has been throughout the playoffs, it's going to be really important to try to get out um, and win that game number one. Uh, and this is going to be their tallest order by far, trying to go win number one um, against Jacob Metter. That's that's going to be a tough ask. But, you know, a really good season uh, to this point and, and playing really well. Um, you know, obviously, if you get to the regional quarterfinals and beyond, you've already had a really good season and everybody's hot, everybody's good. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'll probably be out at that one Friday, so I'll miss the the Metter Depperschmidt matchup. But I'll see uh, a game two. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for the Falcons, man. We'll we'll see how it goes. I think that they're certainly capable, but it's going to take uh, climbing a, a huge hill in, in game number one with with uh, Metter on the other side. So I guess from there we can transition to uh, we'll get to Lovejoy, but but we can go to their their district bunkmate in McKinney North and district champs, district champs. Yep, tied with Lovejoy, but beat them two one in the head to head to win that district and and uh, certainly not slowing down in the playoffs, it sounds like. No, they uh, the the Bulldogs doing Bulldog things. 
um, they swept um, Newman Smith after um, struggling in the first round. I say struggle. They tried to have a tough, tough matchup in the first round, but they're getting the job done. Pops to Coach Gaywood and his crew. And the thing about North is it doesn't matter who they play. They adjust to who they're playing with, and they find a way to get it done. They have a D1 pitcher. He's going to Southern Mississippi in um, Isaiah Rhodes. He's a guy that's not going to throw the 95, 96, but he can get people out. Last time I checked, this game was about getting people out. Right. I want the guy getting people out. I don't need the guy with the mm-hmm. arms. I mean, I like the, the 92 mile sliders <laughs> and I like and all, all that stuff. I like the, I like I like winning. North, and that's what North does. And then Zach Garza, the number two. A lot of people, unless you see them play, they sleep on him. He's a very solid number two, and he's probably uh, being running for utility of the player of the year award because his bat's ridiculous. He's hit a walk. They play in Wiley East. He hit one of the best walk offs I've seen. If you go to Twitter, hit a grandson walk off to beat Wiley East mm-hmm. in a pivotal district game. And um, top to bottom, they got people that go to go down the roster. You got Cam Constantine's going to Texas. You got Sean Massour. The kid plays football and baseball. The kid's a winner. They got a lot of kids that all they do is win, and it shows on there. Yeah, that uh, who'd you say that number two pitcher was? Zach Garza. Zach Garza. So I saw him pitch against uh, in game two against Frisco Heritage a couple weeks ago. Now sitting there, and I leaned over to the McKinney North guy. I was like, hey. Is this the ace? Because he looked like he he was throwing some ace stuff. He's he, a junior. Yeah, he, he man, he only had one run. He has a winning bat. Yeah, yeah, no, that McKinney North is a solid squad. I saw them, like I said, against Heritage. They are a solid squad. They have two really good pitchers. You know, that's the recipe to yep. success that we've been talking about for weeks now in the playoffs for baseball. If you have two solid pitchers and then that, that beef in the middle lineup, Cam Constantine was huge uh, in the game I saw. Man, he's a stud. Like you said, going to Texas, that's North is a, is a salty squad over there. The, the, uh, the thing about them is they can adjust and they find a way to win. And being in that district, that 10-5-8 district, we got to go back to them. They find ways to win, and it's showing in the playoffs. They The first school teams might have more talent than people, but when it counts, uh, who, who's going to win the game? We see Lovejoy in there. We got McKinney North in there. Uh, who else we got? We got Wally East in there. Uh, but in the playoff sense, I don't know, I'm very curious to see how it's going to play out. Playing against a team that you're very, very familiar with you and you're familiar with. I, I don't know how y'all guys think that's going to play out with. Yeah, I mean, we'll see because that series between um, you know Lovejoy that we mentioned and, and Lone Star Whoever comes out of that will have a pretty good shot. They'll, they'll face either Joshua or Corsicana, but a pretty good shot if McKinney North keeps winning at, at a potential regional final matchup. I mean, we'll, we'll see down the road. But um, North, you know, and, North and Wiley split. Yeah, in, in I mean, that's going to be a good series. So. I definitely think that that half of the, uh, that half of the Region 2 bracket is, is maybe a little, I don't want to say a little stronger, but I think that, you know, we can transition to, um, you know, Lovejoy and, and Lone Star that's now. I mean, we talked about, I talked about last week, how Highland Park and Lovejoy could have been a potential, um, you know, uh, the, per, the the team that's going to come out of that half of, of Region 2. Yeah. But I think even more so, I could see the winner of this Lone Star and Lovejoy series making the regional final, potentially, you know, advancing further than that. I mean, it, it has that feel of, you know, this is going to be one of those series that really determines a region and determines um, who's going to move on. So, you know, I, I guess we can get into it. I know that I mentioned kind of a theme for my playoff teams that are left uh, with Lake Dallas having to go up against Metter. You know, Lovejoy is going to have to go up against a pair of arms at, at Frisco Lone Star. Um, and Ryan, I'll let you pronounce his last name, but they're number one over there at Lone Star. <laughs> That's who threw not a no, hard. A, a, a no-hitter and hit for the cycle, right, in, in last round? Yeah. Well, he threw a no-hitter and hit the cycle the same game. Yeah. Same game, playoff game. Uh, he didn't even know that he had a cycle going. His home run was an inside-the-park home run. He didn't realize he had a right. potential cycle going until after he did that. I mean, this dude has been lights 
out uh, for the Rangers. He's an Oklahoma State uh, commit. He's given up zero runs in two playoff outings, including the no-hitter. Um, you also have Dylan DeLeon, um, their number two. He's given up one run in two outings this season, or in this postseason. Lone Star has given up just two runs total in four games. We talked about, you asked me before the, before we came on, how, how many runs have they scored? Well, they're still putting up about five runs a game right. uh, in, in the playoffs. That's you know about what you want in a postseason game. They haven't really, you know, they yeah, they won game one against Denison. Shout out to Denison. I know they, they love me up there. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Lone Star, man, they, they, they have two horses on the mound. They haven't even had to use anyone else on the mound. That's how that's how good uh, those two guys have been this postseason. Lovejoy is going to have their hands full. I don't know if they faced a one-two punch uh, like that so far in this playoffs. I mean, the thing with Lovejoy is that um, you know they have three really really good arms uh, of their own. Do they own. have a Ryan Bogus though? They don't have a Ryan Bogus, <laughs> but I mean Jordan Yoder, Jordan Yoder, okay. especially against Highland Park. You know, you look at they swept Highland Park at Globe Life last week, which was you know That's I expected I expected yeah. that series to be a lot closer. Yeah, uh, I expected it to go three, but but Lovejoy got it done in two. In game number one, an eight-two win uh, for Lovejoy. I think Jordan Yoder, uh, who Lovejoy, that's their number one. Mm-hmm. I think he had a one hitter going into the sixth inning, um, and then gave up maybe two hits in the sixth, but you know, kind of meaningless, a uh, little bit of garbage time and, and all that good stuff. But just an absolutely dominant performance. He's been dominant all year long. Um, seems to like the big moment. Obviously, you know, steps up with that performance uh, in game number one, and then they've transitioned to Luke Stein uh, filling kind of that number two role with Jacob Terwilliger, uh, who I'll interview uh, for the the student athlete spotlight coming up in just few minutes but him kind of playing more shortstop and being that game number three guy if necessary and Luke Stein you know complete game in round number one um, good enough performance in in uh, game two against Highland Park Highland Park you know Lovejoy it's uh it's interesting because I talk so much about how important pitching is and they certainly have a stable of, of three arms that they feel confident three starters not just three arms because you look at a team like Lake Dallas they have Debersman as a starter. Mm-hmm. They usually start Price game two. And McCollum can start two game three, but they're, it's more fluid and you're kind of piecing things together. Yoder, Stein, and Terwilliger are three bona fide starters for, for a series that, that potentially goes the distance. So, But at the same time, you know, Lovejoy's been scoring runs. They beat Highland Park 8-2 to two and 11-8. to eight. And in that 11-8 to eight game, they were down, I believe, 5-2 or 5-3 at one point um, and popped off for like eight runs uh, in, in one inning mm-hmm. um, and, and really just put that game away. Uh, Michael DeFiore hit a home run at Globe Life. I'm sure that was a pretty cool moment for him. Um, so they can they can hit a little bit too. And, and that kind of brings me to, you know, like so many of these series, it's all going to be about that game number one. If, if Lovejoy can go out and touch up Bogus and, and, and earn a victory somehow and scratch out a win, which, you know, the dude's throwing a no-hitter and hit for the cycle in the same, in the same game. Game in this postseason, so who knows? Um, you know, but at the same time, if they can get to him, if Yoder can throw like he did against Highland Park in Game One and shut, I mean, it might be a game. If Lovejoy wins it, one nothing. I mean, they consider that absolutely perfect. We did what we needed to do, and now you're going in with a series lead. But you know, same thing can be said for Lone Star. So I think that game number one is going to be hugely important. Somebody's going to win with their ace and feel really good about themselves, and somebody's going to need to come back uh, with some other arms, and both teams have those other arms as well. So it's going to be a, a fun matchup, an interesting one out of John Paul, and, and one that I 
you know, I, I said this about the Highland Park series, but I really think, especially with these two teams, it's going to be um, close. The the margins are going to be razor thin with the arms that both teams have, and, and it's going to be a fun one for sure. It'll be interesting to see when uh, Coach Frankie of Lone Star rolls out Bogus. Yeah. Because in, in the first series, he threw DeLeon in game one, uh-huh. switched things up, put Bogus in uh, on the mound in, in game one of the second series. No idea what he's going to do yeah. this time around. If, you know, if, if you can get DeLeon to start game one and have and duplicate his first two performances, yeah. that's a big hole to climb out of knowing that you have, yep. for Lovejoy, knowing that you have to face Bogus in a game two down 1-0. Yep. That's tough sledding. So that game one is going to be It's huge. tough, though, because you don't want to outthink yourself yeah, either. Yeah. You know, if you're a Lone Star's coach, you don't want to outthink yourself and get beat by Yoder in game one because he just outduels De Leon. And then you're like, well, we could have just had our ace against ace. Because they haven't had to dig into their bullpen yet. Yep. And so no, that, could be, knows. that could be another thing. No, going on my, a big stage. My my yeah, personal thought is you go power on power yeah. and see who wins game number one and, and let it play out. But yeah. like you said, he's been known to switch it up a little bit, so we'll see. But And, and, and this deep in the playoffs, we don't realize how big a deal coaching plays. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Especially with those man series. Jim Gatewood, one of the best strategies of of all time. My man's got strategy. He's got to play A, B, C, and D in his life. So regardless of what Wiley East throws out there this weekend, I'm pretty sure North's got a plan to counter that. Like they counter 10 5 eight, I mean, 9 5 8 all Wiley East is hot right now, though. Wiley East is really hot. They swept Waco. Y'all got that, beef, that was a man. surprise. Man. I know we had another podcast with y'all. Got beef. That, that's, that's the kiss of death. The last three weeks in other sports, he said a team just came hot. The next week, they came with that cold air. <laughs> so that's the kiss of death. He said something. You're welcome, Mckinney North. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're the good luck <laughs> charm. Helping y'all oh, out. No. <laughs> I know. I, I feel in love with y'all. Maybe you're the good luck charm. But <laughs> we will see. We're definitely going to have some more five A teams alive uh, after this week. Just you know, due to the nature of crossover matchups and. And you know, so, hot team, play, team, well, so, so we'll be back. I can't say you can't say hot. They've been they've been good all year. You don't get hot to win district titles. Yep. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see who makes it through. Especially that Lovejoy Lone Star series should be a good one. I believe you'll be out at that one on Friday. Yep. So Game we'll two. have coverage of, of all this stuff, all the intrigue, all the pitching matchups, and and uh, everything that that entails. And should be a good uh, weekend of, of playoff high school baseball. So that'll do it for uh, the five A portion. I know we're going to transition to softball after this interview that I did with Jacob Terwilger. So we will see you on the other side for another line change and some softball talk. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. How's it going, everybody? This is Taylor Raglan out here at Lovejoy with uh, Lovejoy baseball senior Jacob Terwilger. Uh, you guys two rounds deep in the playoffs and, uh, you know, looking to uh, continue this weekend's Frisco Lone Star. But, you know, head coach Jason Wilson talks a lot about, um, you know, y'all as, as a group of seniors and, and how long you guys have been together. So, you know, in the last three years, as you guys have kind of grown into this year, what are kind of the expectations for, for this final run and, and what kind of attitude and, and identity have you guys developed? Um, well, yeah, like, like you just said, it's been in the making for a, a very long time. Um, we've been playing together since sophomores. Like, sophomore year, we were a very young group of uh, group of players just out there playing together, having fun. And then junior year, everybody started to kind of really realize we could, we could take this to where we need to take it. And we added Luke Stein, who came in. He was a move-in, and uh, that was a really big move-in for us considering who he is and what he does for us. And... I mean, we, we, we kind of had a talk with each other senior year. It was like, this this is our year. This is what we have to do. We have to go far and do it. We, we, we owe it to each other and our teammates to uh, really grind it out and do the best that we can possibly do. 
you know, being two rounds deep in the playoffs now, have you guys kind of established a little bit of a rhythm in the postseason? Now that there's not really the worry of, you know, we don't want to get bounced early, we don't want to go home and, and all that kind of stuff. Have you guys kind of gotten in a rhythm a little bit? Yeah, sophomore and junior year, it was um, first round. We were, out, we were out first round. We lost first round both years. And I think getting over that first round little jitter and then that first round against uh, Reedy, that, that was really big for us. And we definitely have a rhythm going. Um, we step onto the field and we know we're better than the people we're playing. That's, that's the type of attitude you have to have and that's the type of, type of attitude that we do have. And so we know we're better than Reedy, I mean not Reedy, uh, Lone Star. So we're going to go out there and do the same thing we've been doing the past two weeks. You mentioned Luke Stein, um, you know, his addition, obviously, he's kind of taking over that number two role here in the postseason a little bit, and you playing uh, more exclusively at short, but, you know, him and, and Jordan Yoder and you obviously are a pretty good trio, uh, stable of arms, and, and you've won a lot of games that way, but your offense has also kind of answered the bell, um, you know, especially you'll get Highland Park, you know, 11-8, and, yeah. and that kind of comeback, and then the 8-2 victory in the first game, so I feel like it's a team that's kind of built to win in a bunch of different ways. Yep. Oh, 100%. Um... For most of the year, it was Yoder number one. I was number two. It was kind of going that way. Um, and then basically, coach sat me down with Stein. We were kind of had a talk. He was like, "Hey, like we're better when I'm I'm in the defense doing what I do best, and that's playing defense. And Stein can go out there and shove like he normally does because he's mid 80s, got got a great arm, good off speed stuff, and he's he he does what he does. So that gives us the ability for our defense to be more solid and where it needs to be. And then that game three if needed or if I need to come into relief I'm always there for any of the games and to do it to do what we need to do you know last round particularly the Highland Park series people really kind of expected it to be I think a little better series you yeah. know than it was so you know how important was it for for you guys to get it done in two games and be able to rest that staff a little bit but also what do you think kind of gave you guys the leg up and, and allowed you to kind of do away with them the way that you did well uh first game Jordan Yoder pitched an absolute gem he he was uh first inning I think he gave up a triple and that was it for six innings he was he was lights out stellar and then we just we, we just we just find ways to get base hits and top to bottom one through nine we were just we were stroking the ball like especially last game uh last game everybody had a base hit in our lineup we were uh we were down five to three but as they they got up they were happy they're doing their little celebrations doing what they're doing but we knew from the very beginning that, that we had this in the bag and then they uh, made some mistakes, a couple walks, and then we just capitalized and base hit after base hit. You know, moving forward, obviously Lone Star, you know, talk about you guys' arms and, and Yoder in particular, yeah. but, you know, with, with Bogus and DeLeon and, and some of the guys they have, it's going to be a tall task for, for y'all's offense. So what's kind of y'all's plan and, and how you plan on attacking kind of that one-two that they have? Um, well, yeah, we, we, we know uh, straight from the jump, big names. He was... I think I think he was a Sports Day High School Player of the Week, kid for the cycle as well. Like he, he's a very good baseball player, going to Oklahoma State. Uh, so that 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 itself just speaks for who he is as a player. So you have to go in respecting him. You can't really take him for granted. Um, but it, it's going to be a grind. You have to do what you do, capitalize on when we can get base hits, and it's just going to be basically timely hitting. And for his bat, just try to uh, try to minimize his damage in the lineup and do what we can to best prepare. I guess the last thing is, you know, obviously you guys have designs on a state championship. You know, you think you're good enough. You think you can make a run, yeah. um, you know, all the way to Austin and, and take care of it. But, you know, what do you guys feel like you have to do week in and week out to uh, to get there kind of one step at a time? Um, it's most definitely our focus and our mindset. That's going to be the biggest thing for us. Um, right now we have we have a mindset that we're better than you and we're going to go out there and we're, we're going to make you like it, basically. And so uh, that's what we need to do week in, week out. And I believe if we keep doing that, uh, we'll make the run that we need to make and get all the way to state and hopefully play Colleyville and make a statement there. 
Absolutely, man. Well, yes, thank sir. you, Jacob. Uh, this has been uh, Jacob Twilger out here at Lovejoy as the uh, Leopards prepare for Frisco Lone Star in the regional quarterfinals. So that's all. We'll get back to the podcast. But once again, thanks, Jacob. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for uh, Lovejoy's Jacob Twilliger for joining us on the podcast here. Obviously, we've made a little change. I have subbed in for Taylor, and we are going to transition to a little Class 5A softball talk alongside Kendrick Johnson and Brian Murphy. Guys, we also have some uh, programs rolling on here, so uh, where do you want to get started here? Well, I'm waiting for you to ring the, the bell. Uh, and We're in the octagon? Are we in the ring? Where are we? <laughs> so put on the boxing gloves for Kendrick right here. What you got? What you got? Let's break. Yeah, let's get this out of the way first. Well, we, I'm doing my job. I was absent from the podcast (laughs) last week, so I'm not. We have have a recurring (laughs) theme. This man here, he covers nine five A. Very talented kids out there. The All Frisco District. Very talented. I cover the ten five A district. You got the Norths of the world. You got the Wiley Easts. You got the Denisons. They matched up in all these sports. We started back in basketball. We went through soccer. We went through volleyball. Now we're in softball. He keep acting like every time they show up, oh, it's Frisco. They just going to sweep through. Hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Oh, it's Frisco. They're going to win more than the 10-5A. Only happened in <laughs> soccer. Now we're in softball. They were supposed it didn't to happen in basketball? Through. They're supposed to sweep through. Didn't it happen in basketball? And next thing I know, we got Frisco Lone Star. Boom, sent home. Curtis and McKinney North. Frisco Independence District team. Man, okay, they were supposed they to do to win. <laughs> McKinney North won their district. They went undefeated. Of course they're going to beat Lone Star. They were the four seed. But when coming in, though, And Lone Star won was, a game. But coming in, the narrative is Frisco Lone Star, one of the hottest teams in the area. They got these bats. And they, they, they sent them packing. Then last week, we go Frisco Independence. Oh, they might win a game, but they not going to win it. They district champs are not 5A. Not only did they get sent home, they almost got perfect game and got 10 run ruled in game two. Um, and and the, the, the people at North Town tell me, run tell that. Tell that Brian Murphy guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about you they, run, they, they and, go, how about you run and go tell them the that they're playing Forney this week and they better get ready for them but the they're not going to beat Forney. To put it in perspective, the Denison people chimed in. Yeah, that Brian Murphy guy, why is he taking on 10 5A? Well, okay. He know. I have a message for for Denison. I, I appreciate you listeners up north. Uh, it's kind of surprising that we have people from Denison. Yeah. It's basically Oklahoma uh, listening to the podcast. But, you know, uh, my message for you is uh, y'all should have worried about Reedy because uh, they handed y'all two cold L's um, in a sweep. And now who's who's still uh, playing in the playoffs? I think it's Reedy and not Denison. But uh, at me next time on Twitter. Love you guys. <laughs> the thing about McKinney Norris, besides them being talented. This long story short. They, took they, care of business. They run real independence. They, 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 they yeah. shut out Twitter last for opponents. They're rolling and the key to them is they're getting solid pitching from Reagan Clefley. Shout out to her. She was like out away from her. Is she the only game. pitcher that's pitched for North all year? And I was uh, doing research they, they, on they, they don't, don't rotate Caden Durham, but she is the ace. Yeah. Ask for Highland Park and Independence and Lone Star about her. She ended the season. But I digress. For them to beat Forney, they do have a shot. Regardless of what this man says, they have to keep hitting the ball. They've got six hits or more in every game. And if you have bats, it's like being in a boxing fight. If you can knock somebody out with one punch, you have a shot. They have a shot, regardless of what him and others say. But they got to stay doing what they do and be consistent with the bats. Because Forney has an ace. I know she's going to A&M. I think they got another girl that's like going not as high, but D1 and a defending state champion. Yeah. So to be the champ, you you got to beat the champ so North is and the thing is they want the smoke that's the crazy yeah. thing about it they're not like oh we don't want that and they have a routine that they do um, shout out to Olivia Gwynn their um, head coach she say we do what we do 
we have our routine, we're staying with our routine, and we're winning games. And that's all it's about, getting that done. So did they settle on a one game or three game? Or did three games, settle three, three games. Game. Um, I think for anyone, the, um, the coin toss, all three games will be played at Wally, the nice facilities out there. And uh, don't be surprised if we, as they're talking about a three-set thriller, I mean, three-series um, thriller next weekend. You know what? McKinney North people, Thursday, I will be at Wiley High School for uh, Prosper's baseball game against Rockwall. <laughs> so I will be in the vicinity. If y'all want to mosey on over uh, to the baseball field or, you know, when, when y'all get swept and run rolled, y'all's game is going to be over real quick. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be over there watching Prosper versus Rockwall baseball. We can, we can, y'all can say hello then. <laughs> All right, well. Firework, expect fireworks on Thursday and out there in Wyoming. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but I will be there. But uh, All right, so we'll transfer over to sure. uh, Region 1 here where we have a couple teams that maybe are lining up for a little district rematch yeah. in the regional finals depending on what happens mm-hmm. this weekend. So we have the Colony and Little Elm moving on. Um, the Colony is going to draw Abilene Wiley out in city I don't really know of Grayford or something <laughs> oh, that's out there that's, about, that's, that's what's about hour 45 yeah, west yeah a ways away so uh, not sure how that got on the map in terms of a location but I guess it's just a midway point between Colony and Abilene there so and then what do you have going on with Little Elm Little Elm in the regional tournament for the first time ever really in softball uh, some big shout out to them Lauren Lucas coach Jill Miller and that crew doing some big things they play El Paso they're gonna be doing some traveling as well huh I mean they're gonna play in Lubbock one game playoff. One game. Uh, Thursday night. Yeah, for all the marbles. Thursday, too, huh? Yeah. So, sorry I can't make it. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, definitely, if they win that game, and I expect the Colony to, to take care of business in their series, we would get the Colony versus Little Elm in the regional final. How awesome would that be? Yeah. Um, not sure if Little Elm could pull it off. But looking, at, looking at the I rankings, El, El Paso Chap- Chapin, I guess that's yeah, how you say it. They come in at number studs. five, so yeah. they're a ranked team. The so you, Colony's you, number you six. you got to think Little Elm won the toss, and they're like, hey, let's, let's just one game. Yeah, let's yeah. put our trust in Lauren Lucas and see what we can do. I, I, I think like, I'm neutral in, th- in this one. <laughs> at the end of the day, the reason the Colony's going to win is they got the championship pedigree. And they got Jada Coleman. And they're loaded. They, they got Jada Coleman and a little Elm Dogs. Well, we'll, we'll get, we can get to that matchup next week if it comes to fruition. So, um, but first, Colony's going to have to take care of Abilene Wiley. They're coming off a nice uh, sweep, doubleheader, one-game doubleheader sweep of Boswell, who was state-ranked earlier in the season. So, pretty quality opponent. Um, the Colony gives up two runs in the first inning of Game One, and then Carly Charles takes over. She doesn't give up a run the rest of the rest of the way. Shuts them out the last six innings of Game One, and then shuts them out for five innings of a run rule Game Two. They took that second one, 11-0. You mentioned Jada Coleman. She, uh, if you're a softball fan, you got to see this lady play. She's special. Two uh, two games, she scores five runs. She has five stolen bases. She hits a homer. Um, Is that fifty of the year? She number fifty. Steals? Oh, she's got to be. Yeah, I think she was forty something coming into the playoffs. What so. can she not do? Um, I don't know, but she made a couple of really nice plays in the hole at shortstop, uh, left-handed shortstop. Um, so she did it all. She got walked actually her first three times in the first game, and then flew out to deep left. I guess that got under her skin a little bit because she made sure <laughs> she got a hold of it the second game and took it all the way out of the park. Um, but they had Mich- Jody Duncan, Michelle Tillapaw had very good series, and then I already mentioned. Um, Carly just dominated. She had 
13 strikeouts in the first game, then starts to switch up her pitches a little bit. Only struck out two in the second game, but you know, 11 that, that's out the there. best thing about the calling. As great as Jada is, they got like five or six other D1ers yeah. that can get you. Yeah, Car- Carly's <laughs> going to Iowa State. J.C. Hamlin's Texas Tech. So we're talking um, about big know, they don't even right have, there. They don't yeah. even have Coco Madison Hirsch, who's Kansas, who's one of the most prolific power hitters in the area. So they've been doing all this without her. And Jim, like I said, come back for in the playoffs. It doesn't look like it. I mean, it's been a you know case by week by week scenario, and we still haven't seen her even hit yet. So um, we'll see. Maybe I know there's still I know there's still two more rounds to go before this would happen. But how much fun would the Colony against Forney be? In the state yeah. tournament, that would be awesome. The last two state champs that, that would be awesome. eliminated each other in their runs to state the last mm-hmm. two years, so that would be cool. But um, yeah, so we'll see what's coming up there. Colony is rolling pretty so you good. You disrespect McKinney North and all the uh, in between, man. <laughs> yes. he still hadn't got the memo. I, 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 I'm not. I'm trying not to disrespect Little L because they got. They'd maybe play Little L if they get past the Real quick, shout out to Carly Charles also. She got her six thousand six thousandth career strikeout. Wow. In that six thousand. So, yeah, six thousand strikeouts. I didn't know that was career. possible. Six thousand. Six. You said six thousand. Six hundred. Six hundred. Either I did say six thousand. Six hundred. <laughs> I was like, whoa, dude! I thought yes. I say twice. I went trying to trap him. Yeah. Like, six that, that, that's six hundred is still a lot. Yeah. That's more than Nolan Ryan in the career. <laughs> six hundred career strikeout. Six hundred. Um, that's still a lot. Yeah. Just for I know you're a numbers analytics guy. Kenzie Cackley had four ninety seven this year. That's what. Are you serious? This year. My gosh. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, so yeah, that's what we got coming up in softball this week. Anything else you guys wanted to touch on? Or? You just became Carly Charles' best friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. scouts her. Yeah. Like whoa. <laughs> no, that's that's about it. I'm surprised me and Kendra didn't throw blows, but maybe next week. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. Um, you can check us later in the week where we start. At Brian Murphy. <laughs> dash, my bad. Dash. Underscore. Murphy. Check us later in the week. We'll start touching on some spring football uh, content going on. Everybody's on the practice field getting ready for uh, fall camp coming up. Some spring games going on this week. So we'll look at some storylines on the gridiron here coming up later in the week. For uh, Kendrick and Brian, I'm Justin. Thanks for joining us. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.